before I get into the message, I want to take just just a minute or two. I want to want to pray for. I'm going to pray for a family this morning. Josh and Jessica Bailey and Josiah and Trinity and and Brianna are here today, and they are moving um, up to Aden, California. And uh, both of them are forever, forever people in Big Bear. And uh, this is an adventure, but it's painful adventure, I'm sure. And uh, and so they're going to start a new adventure um, out of the mountain, and, and we just want to pray for them, bless them as they go into the unknown. They're going to a really large metropolis, actually, coming from Big Red's going to be really hard. Population 250. <laughs> yeah, when you're driving around the lake and you go into Fonskin, just realize that Fonskin has a bigger population and that the next town bigger than that is about 30 or 40 miles and anything big is like 60 miles away so they're like in the middle of this is where god but god's opening doors and and and, and just blessing them in this but but if you're sitting around then we're going to pray for them and that that god will use them in their giftings and all that they have and are as they go and they leave leave the community here and so let's just pray for them father thank you for josh and jessica and josiah and trinity and Brianna, their, uh, their lives that have blessed so many in this community. God, and I pray that as they would go, that you would go with them, that you would go before them, prepare the way. God, that you would open up doors for, for life, God, that you promised that you came to give us life and life abundantly, Lord, and they love Jesus. So we pray that they'd also have the things that you would bless their life, God, their, their influence in other people. God, that as they would leave uh, the, the safety and security of family and friends here, that they, you would open up new relationships and friendships where they go. God, um, I pray that you'd be with each of the kids as, as that's a tough thing, too, to leave uh, connections and family. You would bless them, that, that their marriage would cause it to be uh, even stronger as they would go, that they would look to you. God, and look to each other to be strength and to continue to be a light uh, wherever they go. Bless the Baileys in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Man, if you got one of these, you can turn it off. <laughs> in fact, I should do that. Every once in a while, somebody calls me in the middle of church, and I'm like, don't you know where I'm at? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Hey, we are uh, in the Bible today. I'm not going to tell you what book, because we're all over the place. We're, we're, it's Palm Sunday. We're going to be talking about uh, Palm Sunday and what's called the triumphal entry. And already, I, I feel it getting warm in here. If, either a crack a, a window or the back, because if it gets another two more degrees, people are going to start falling asleep, <laughs> right? And then that's, you know, then I'm going to have to throw something at them. Or Anyway, so... Triumphal entry is, is when Jesus came into Jerusalem on the donkey, and, and most of us know the story, but it's recorded in all four Gospels. Not every story is in all of the Gospels. There's a lot of stories that only appear in one or two or three, um, but this is in all four, so it's really an important event that happened. Um, if you're taking notes, it's found in the book of Matthew in chapter 21, Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19, and John chapter 12. So that's kind of the, the places. And we're going we're gonna to share some scriptures um, out of different places. But, but basically what happened is, is Jesus had been ministering for his three years here on earth. And we know that the miracles he had done, he had done so many things. He, he healed the blind. He, he cleansed the lepers. He, uh, 
He brought forgiveness and cleansing, and he he, uh, taught amazing teachings. And so, you know, he had been doing all of these things right up until the day that he went riding into Jerusalem. And basically, the story goes that that he, knowing that it was time, the time was short for him, just a a few days before uh, his crucifixion, he sent a couple disciples ahead and said, hey, go into the town. You're going to find a donkey. It's never been ridden on. Just take it for me. And, and if anyone asks what you're doing, just say the master needs it. That's really cool. One of these days, I'm going to try that. I'm going to say, go into the village. When you see the Cadillac Escalade, just take it for me. And if anyone asks, just say, Pastor Rob needs it. You know, I don't think I've got that much power. But, but Jesus, he just go and get somebody's donkey and bring it back. And so they did exactly that. They're like, okay. Now, th- that's obedience, isn't it? Right? The master says, go find the donkey and just go ahead and take it. Jesus, didn't you say, do not steal? Okay, but we're going we're gonna to be faithful and we're going to do this. And they do it. And the master comes out and says, the, the owner comes out and says, what are you doing? He says, well, the master needs it. He says, okay. It's the way it works. That's what we did actually with the van to go to Planet Wisdom. We went to Julie and we says, we need your van. She goes, okay. And she let us take her van. Praise God. And so they, they come back, and Jesus gets on a donkey. Now, if you know anything about history or you've ever watched a, 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 any old history movies, when the king is going to come in and conquer another city, he rides a big horse because he wants to be powerful. And so a, a king who's coming to conquer rides on a stallion, the biggest, baddest horse they can find. When a king comes into another city riding on a donkey, he's coming in to declare peace. Now this is already a problem for the disciples because the disciples were under Roman tyranny. They wanted to be liberated. They wanted somebody to come in and set them free from the tyrannical leadership of Rome. Now Rome was letting them do their own thing, but Israel wanted to be a sovereign state. They wanted to have their own deal. And so the disciples, as as Jesus was coming and around, they were thinking, this guy's going to come. Everyone, we're going to follow him. We're going to grab our swords and we're going to kick Rome out out of Jerusalem and Jesus gets on a donkey right there was kind of a bad sign for some of the disciples they're going okay well you know Jesus is a little different but okay so so he starts coming into Jerusalem and immediately as I said at the beginning of service people began to throw their cloaks down on the ground and rip off branches and began to celebrate singing a couple of different things they would sing Hosanna and again I said at the beginning it means save us save us but it wasn't just like save us it was in celebration of go this is the one who's come to save us blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord now you know rome caesar doesn't like competition the jewish leaders who believe in one god and him to be worshiped only do not like competition this is a crazy scene about to happen now it's not the only time that it happened in history go back and read the history of israel other people try to to revolt and to take take charge and do different things it never ended well for any of them but they're coming in and beginning to worship and even the, the pharisees the leaders were told the disciples of jesus what are you doing quiet them down why are they praising they're praising you you can't let that happen only god can receive praise and jesus says that wonderful line if they don't cry out the rocks cry that's jesus coming in to jerusalem that final week of his life 
Why were people celebrating? Why were people celebrating? Well, for, for three years, they had witnessed Jesus do a lot of amazing things in their villages and throughout the area. Jesus fed the 5,000. He fed the 3,000. He, he healed the lepers. He, he healed the blind. Uh, he healed the lame. He came in and, and did so many things. The people were celebrating because they had each been touched by Jesus in some way. Some just received teaching. Some had received hope and encouragement. And they were celebrating and praising this Jesus who was coming in which was a bold moment. There was a lot of you in this past election who picked their side in the poli- political realm. We're not going to get into that, but and in every election, we, we, tend to, you know, we, we know who we want to win. Well, we know that this past election in November was very divisive. And though some of you liked or at least were voting for the man who won, Trump, you weren't quite bold enough to wear the hat that says, Make America Great Again true you're like you know i'm gonna vote for him but i don't know if i'm gonna like really put it out there that i'm going to i'm just gonna kind of go and do it because i'm not sure about this that was the same way i think with jesus there was probably plenty of people who says i think i like this guy but i'm not gonna go out and wave any palm branches i just want to see where this thing goes but there was those that were excited and they saw this and they they went out and they took the risk of saying I'm putting all of everything I have in him. He is the king. Why were they celebrating? Because he had done something individually for each of them. Whether, whether he had healed a friend or a brother or fed them or, or taught them and they just felt encouraged. They were worshiping on that amazing day singing, Blessed be the name of the Lord because he had done some teaching, healing. And here he comes. They're welcoming him in. Maybe so that he might continue to be there. Maybe so so that he, they might, he might continue to be the one who would set him free. If you were there today, where would you be? Are you waving a branch? Are you throwing your cloak? Are you sitting on the sideline going, I still want to see where this thing might go? What has he done for you? Do you need him to be your deliverer? Is that why you worship him? Well, I want to tell you that Jesus, though he, he came and he healed, and he came and he set people free, and he taught that he is not just a healer. Jesus is not just the one who comes to set you free. He is not just the son of David. They called him the son of David, which was a title for them saying he's the only one who can sit on the throne of God. He's not just the son of David. He's not just the son of man. He's not just the man, Christ Jesus, as the Bible says, who is a mediator between God and mankind. He is not just any of those things. He's all of them. He's all of them. And it's important that we understand that Jesus didn't just come to heal you. And so wait, that's great. You, thanks for the healing, God. I'm going to take it up from here. He didn't just come to, to give you the one thing that you think you need. He came to be everything. He came to be the Messiah, the God, God himself in flesh. And so these people, I don't think any of them really knew who Jesus was. 
Have you ever had a friend or somebody you knew and, and you knew in one circumstance and you said, and you might say if you talked about that guy, and I'll just pick on Josh because he's here today because Josh's got a lot of different, different talents and things. And you might say, hey, you know, Josh, he's, he's the contractor. Okay, well, that's, that's great. And there's actually two Josh's contractors here. Which one are we talking about? Well, yeah, he's a contractor. Well, he also likes to ride motorcycles and he was also in the military and he also is a great father. And, and you begin to talk about these things no one person is just one thing nobody's just one thing unfortunately sometimes we want Jesus to just be one thing Jesus get me out of a jam every time I'm in a jam but the rest of the time just do your thing over there and let me alone he's coming in and he wants to be king of our life and he wants to be our healer and deliverer. And there's other things that we're maybe ashamed to give him. He wants to heal us and do other things. So where are you this morning? I don't, this is something you're saying, but where, where, where am I? Would I be on the side of the road? Am I waiting to see how this thing is going to come out? I want to give us a couple of things that Jesus is in the next few minutes. And see how, and help us to see that Jesus wants to be more than just one thing in your life. And in my life. In Mark chapter 10, we find Jesus walking alongside, and, and this is actually right before um, the, the, uh, the triumphal entry. In Mark chapter 10, he's walking alongside of the, the road, and he hears somebody crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me! And all the people around him began to try to hush this guy up. Shh, shh, you know, just be quiet. And he just cried out louder and louder. Jesus said, what do, you, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want to see. I want to see. So Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus and gave him sight. See, Jesus, one of the things Jesus came to do is he came to open blind eyes. Well, you know, many of us in here have blind eyes to what Je- what's really happening in the world. Many of us have blind eyes to who Jesus is and wants to be in our life. And Jesus came to open blind eyes. You know, in life, we often can't see the whole picture. Do you ever have one of those moments where you're just sure it's this, 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 and then something happens and you're like, oh, it's not that. You know those revelation moments? You know, then you're like, if, you kind of feel guilty. I'm like, why was I so big-headed and closed-minded? I couldn't see this. It was, I, was, I knew it was this, but someone comes up and you're like, oh, well, it's, it's different or it's more than this. You know, often we judge people. We judge people because we think they're this. But we need to take into account that there's a lot more to see. And Jesus wants to come in and help us to see. He wants to help open your eyes. John chapter 5, we find a story where Jesus comes and he finds the, the paralytic and he, and he brings healing to him. And this is the one Jesus gets in a lot of trouble for doing because it was on the Sabbath and, and, and he healed the man. And he says, take up your mat and go. And then Jesus kind of disappears, and the guy's like picking up his mat and walking. And, you know, the Jewish law says, well, that's considered work. You can't carry your mat. What are you doing? And, 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 and the guy says, listen, this guy came up. I was, I was lame. 
And he says, pick up your mat. I got up, and, I, and I'm, I'm, here I am. And they're, well, who's this Jesus guy? Who is this guy? He says, I don't know. All he said was, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus has come to help those feeble and weak, and he wants to give them strength. He wants to come and to give you strength today in those feeble legs, those times when you just don't have strength to get off the couch. Sometimes it's not a physical strength. Often it's not. It's a mental and an emotional weakness that we have. And Jesus Christ wants to come in and give strength to those legs to get you off the couch. He gives strength to the feeble. In Luke chapter 17, we find the story of the ten lepers. And, and I don't know if any of you have ever met a leper. I've never met a leper, but I've felt like a leper in my life. When you just felt like nobody wanted to be around you, nobody wanted to have anything to do with you. Because leprosy, yeah, the disease of, of, of th- appendages falling off is pretty bad, but I think the worse than an appendage falling off is the fact that you are isolated apart from anyone. You can't even be with your family any longer. In fact, they would even have to wear bells at times and things on them and walk around yelling, unclean, unclean. Some of you might have felt like me in my past at times. I I kept looking for the bells and the sign on me that says unclean because I felt so much like an outcast. Jesus came and he healed the ten lepers and he restored them to fellowship with his family and he helped them to understand that they were not outcasts any longer. He receives the outcasts and he brings them into fellowship. That's one of the things that Jesus has come to do and that's part of who he is. Do you realize in that story with the ten lepers that only one of the lepers came back and gave him thanks? Out of ten, only one came back. Which means that out of those ten, there was probably only one on Palm Sunday throwing down branches. And the rest were just going... Thanks for giving me what you gave me. I'll take it from here. In John chapter 8, we find the story of the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, the Bible says. That's pretty shameful. That's pretty open. And, 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 and can you imagine if you're caught in the very act of adultery, you're not at your best. Maybe you're feeling a little vulnerable, thrown out. And I I mean, I wonder, what does this woman look like caught in the very act of adultery, thrown down about, ready to be stoned for for her adulterous act? And Jesus comes up, begins to write in the sand. And when I get to heaven, that's one of the questions I'm asking. Jesus, what did you write in the sand? He began to write in the sand standing in between her and those that wanted to stone her and condemn her, came to her defense and simply said, hey, you without sin, you cast the first stone. You know, Jews weren't even really supposed to have anything to do with women. And Jesus comes to defend her. When all of them finally went away, and it says that they went away starting with the the oldest to the youngest. You know, the, the aged, 
there's still wisdom in there going, I've got sin, but the young people, they were zealous and they wanted to get, they wanted to stone this girl. But Jesus came in to defend her. But you know, he didn't defend her sin. He just defended her. He stood there, vulnerable with this vulnerable woman caught in adultery and said, your accusers are gone. I don't accuse you either. We need a defender. So the enemy comes in to accuse us. He's the accuser of the brethren. He wants to bring guilt and shame all the time to us, but Jesus wants to come and set us free and tell us that we are no longer accused. And he's come to defend you. Some of you are holding on to a, a shameful thing and a sin. Jesus wants to come and set you free. He defended the woman. It's very similar to a situation in John chapter 4. There was a Samaritan woman. Again, Jesus walking through an area that he shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have been. See, Jesus is everywhere and wants to be everywhere in your life and for us. He's walking through Samaria. He's walking through the place that, that you don't think Jesus should be. And he comes up and he finds the woman at, at the time of day when nobody else is around. Again, a woman who was shunned from other people. And he asks her to draw water. So he's doing everything wrong. He's breaking all of the rules of society. And he, he begins to have a conversation of a woman uh, who's also a Samaritan. Has her draw water and, and they get into this conversation. If I were to ask a question and say, lift your hand high and proud if you've been married five times or more. I have a feeling that if any of you did qualify for that statement, that you're not going to be jumping up and down going, Me! That's me! Like the man when I owned the wedding chapel many years ago here in Big Barry, I owned a wedding chapel. And uh, looked on his thing, and this was his, his fourth marriage. And so I'm chatting, and I asked, I said, well, you know, did you guys get any premarital counseling? <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, you're not very good at this. <laughs> he had a whole different take on it. He actually said, and, you know, I don't remember this guy, so if you're in here today, I mean, <laughs> forgive me. He goes, why do I need premarital counseling? I've already been married three times. <laughs> I kid you not. I'm like do you think premarital counseling is like how to get married? It's like how to stay married. And you're not good at that part. Most people aren't jumping up and down saying, hey, I've got five failed marriages and I'm shacking up right now. And Jesus goes to the heart of the matter. See, most of us, we want to dance around those subjects, don't we? We're talking to people. We want to avoid it. We want to be nice. We want to be politically correct. And Jesus goes, hey, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five. And the one you're living with, you're not married to. So she, tries to do, she does what any of us would do. Changes the subject. <laughs> right? Just changes the subject. And he just came, comes back. But, you know, he didn't say, yeah, you're a harlot, you're horrible, you've had five 
husbands and you're shacking up now, I'm done talking to you. He continued the conversation and he brought life. He loved her. He lifted her shame. That's what he wants to do for you and for me. He wants to zero in on that thing that you've been hiding, on the thing that you don't want anyone to know because it's so shameful, and he wants to put his finger on it, bring it to the light, and says, it doesn't matter in, when you compare it to my grace and my forgiveness. I know about this, but we're just going to set it right over there because that's not important. I want to lift your shame from you. Stop hiding the shame. Jesus wants to be the shame lifter. We see these things and so many more and we come to find another thing that Jesus wants to be and he is whether you acknowledge it or not. Matthew 13, he gives the parable that says, the kingdom of heaven is like the man when they found a treasure, sold everything they had and they bought the field where the treasure was. Jesus is worth more than all of your possessions. He's worth more than anything we can possibly think of and hold on to. He's worth everything to give it all to him. Why? Because he opens blind eyes. Because he strengthens the feeble. He receives the outcast. He's the defender of the defenseless. And he's our shame lifter. That's Jesus who came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey to come and set the kingdom of God in place. Behold your king. We need that same Jesus to come into our lives. We need this Jesus, not just the one who does one thing. We want the Jesus who's coming to be it all. He wants to set us free from sin and death and bring life and healing. He wants to bring hope and restore people to fellowship. He wants to forgive our adultery and forgive our divorce and all the things that bring shame. He doesn't pretend it didn't happen. He says, no, I died for this. I'm going to lift the shame from you. You know, I think many people want Jesus to come riding into their life today, all around. Not just the brothers and sisters in the church. Residents in this city want him too. Californians up and down the state. Citizens of the nation of the United States of America and folks and all human beings throughout the world. They desire Jesus. They need Jesus to come riding into their life. They might not be hoping for the right thing. We can't relegate Jesus to be just one thing in our life. He wants to come and be everything that he is. You know, people sometimes marry somebody because they just love that one. They're just amazing. They just love the outdoors, and I love the outdoors, and we're just going to get married because we both love the outdoors. And we'll just live in the outdoors forever because we're going to have a great marriage because we just love each other and we love the outdoors. And then after they've been outdoors for a couple of years, they get tired of being outdoors and they find out they have nothing else in common. Nothing. 
And then, you know, then they actually have the audacity to go to each other and they say, you've changed. No, they didn't change. They didn't change. You just didn't get to know them good enough. You know, nobody is limited to one facet of their life. Jesus isn't either. See, sometimes you go to a, a meeting or a church and where we hear this thing about Jesus. We just go, oh, that's exactly what I want. But you know, the Bible says that wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow those that go to heaven. Why? Because there's a lot more to Jesus than we want to admit. He, he wants to heal you. He wants to lift your shame, but he also wants to be the Lord and King of your life. Thank you, God, for being my Savior, but I'd like to be king of my own life. But people need Jesus. I need Jesus to be everything that he is. You need Jesus to be everything that Jesus is, not just part. See, we, we, we just tend to think that we know more than we know. But I want to tell you that when God comes into your life, if you'll give him that opportunity to be all that he is, he will give you life that you can't imagine, peace that passes understanding. He will be able to lift the shame and bring healing and forgiveness and re restoration and fellowship. He's the one who knows the future, the end from the beginning. He knows you and exactly what you really need. I've got some amazing children. And they will still come to me, to Shannon, at times when we say, listen, you can't do this, or you should do this. You know, they, they don't always believe us. They don't always agree with us, but it's amazing how many times after the fact they've come and said, I'm so glad you made me do that. I'm so glad you didn't let me do that. Do you remember when your parents were really dumb? <laughs> and then as you got older, they got smarter? <laughs> that's, that's God. And we're just these dumb little teenagers who think we know it all. And if we'll allow them to, we'll, if we'll allow God to begin to speak into our life more, we'll get to the point when we go, God, thank you for sparing me from that. I thought I loved that person and wanted to marry him. Thank you for not letting me do it. I thought I wanted to do this. And I, he says, I know you better than you think I do. And I know what's best for you. But you've got to be willing to submit to the process. And oh, what joy and fullness of life for those of us who will just say, Hosanna to the King. Hosanna to the Son of David. Save me, not just from my sin, but from myself. Because if you're like me at all, you really know how to mess your own life up. We're pretty good at it sometimes. Will you be one who throws a branch on the ground and says, Hosanna, but walks away when you find out that Jesus gets arrested and that maybe the way you thought it was going to work out doesn't come to pass? Or will you be the one who takes your cloak 
puts the palm branch down and screams with all your might, Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. And you follow him into Jerusalem and he starts tossing over the money changers' tables and you go, ooh, I didn't know you had that in you. And you follow him into the banquet where he's getting anointed and he begins to tell you, what you thought of me is not going to happen. I'm going to die. Follow him past the vineyard in the Garden of Gethsemane where he weeps and prays and gets arrested. Will you be following him all the way into the palace to see what happens? Waiting at the tomb. Will you be the first to run to the tomb, which is next Sunday's message, first to run to the tomb and say, Jesus, I'm still following you. You're not doing anything the way I thought you would. And if I was Jesus, I'd do it different. But I'm glad you're God and I'm not. Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the king of kings. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save me from myself. Jesus, come this morning, we pray. Ride into our lives to be the king. To be all that you want to be in our life. God, we don't want to hold anything back. We want to worship you in your glory and your fullness. We want to open every part of our life, God, to you and say, deal with our shame. Come and bring healing to the shameful areas. Come and bring peace. God, bring strength to these feeble legs because some days I just can't even get up. God, bring hope when there's no hope. Restoration of relationship. God, open my eyes to see you, to see what you have for me, not, to not be so myopic, God. Bring light to my eyes, God. Come, son of David, into my life. I give you every, every area. And God, help me to proclaim this out outward also. That I would not be ashamed to yell, Hosanna, in the public places. To say, I trust in Jesus. I've put my hope and faith in my God, my King. And I want to tell you, you should also. God, give us the courage to be that light in the darkness as you come and you inhabit our lives and we give them over to you. Father, I pray a blessing upon each of us this morning that we would draw closer to you, that we would begin to know you more. God, as we we celebrate this Passion Week, help us to just experience your love and care and presence in our life more and more, even each day as we press in this week. I pray a blessing on each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.